I want to speak for a few minutes this evening. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 9. Amen. And uh, I, I didn't expect to preach. Uh, I love to preach. Uh, so I pray that this will be a blessing to you. Jeremiah chapter number 9, verse 23. If you have it, say amen. Let not the, the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness and justice and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. And I want to speak for a few minutes this evening about God's delight. I want God to be delighted with me. And I want to delight in my worship to him. Amen. Let's ask the Lord to help us right now. In the name of the Lord, we ask you, Jesus, to do your will. God, our minds, our hearts. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let I pray the words that you gave me, the thought that you inspired me with, oh God, be an inspiration to someone here tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Delight, happy. The desire to be happy, the desire to have a joyful life is universal. To delight means a high degree of satis satisfaction or pleasure or gratification, joy. Or you could say, my, the kids were squealing with delight. Delight, though, is more than just an emotion. There is the sunny delight breakfast drink. How many of you ever had sunny delight? How many of you ever heard of the Turkish delight candies? It's a chewy little candy, uh, maybe uh, fruity, maybe a little bit there. There is a town in Arkansas called Delight. Well, all of this points toward the, the, the happiness, the joy that people around the world would love to have in their life or desire to have in their life. It's, in fact, a, a trillion-dollar industry for people that are searching for happiness or for searching for that extra boost of joy in their life. $2.51 trillion last year, and this year $2.64 trillion are spent on finding your happy place. People will go to great lengths to be happy. They will take cruises, rent mountain cabins, drive thousands of miles, fly around the world to find their happy place. And what makes me happy probably does not make you happy. If I had to choose between fishing and skydiving, I would probably choose fishing. But believe me, that's not my happy place. 
Because if I had to choose between fishing or maybe walking the streets of Jerusalem, I would love to walk the streets of Jerusalem. That would be a happy place. What makes me full of joy is probably different than what makes you full of joy. Maybe it's a cappuccino out the back porch in the the mornings while the birds are still singing and, and the sun is coming up. That might be your happy place. Well, I I can give you a few ideas of of some happy places. I remember in Romania, as we would extend our resident permits every every year, we would go to the immigration officer, and they would ask a bunch of questions. It's always a nervous time in the Patterson House around extension of our resident permits. You know we have to be legal, right? And so we would go there, and, and uh, there is a certain signal that always happens for the last 27 years, and that would be when the officer behind the window would say, Sir or ma'am, please have a seat. We want to take your picture. What that really means is you've passed. And believe me, that's a happy place. And let me tell you, when you sit down and you, you want to you have this big smile on your face and the, and the officer says, no, no, we don't smile in Romania. We're serious people. Well, let me tell you, it's very difficult to wipe a smile off in your happy place. Amen. For those of you that chocolate is your happily place, I have a few rules for eating chocolate. If you've got melted chocolate in your fingers, that means you're eating it too slow. Chocolate-covered raisins, cherries, orange slices, strawberries, all count as fruit. Eat as much as you want. If you have a problem getting two pounds of chocolate home from the store in a hot car, the parking lot is perfect to eat it all. A box of chocolate can provide your daily intake of calories in just one setting. Enjoy. Chocolate has many preservatives in it, and we know that preservatives make you look young. Eat more and more and more. Many times in the Bible it talks about being delighted in the Lord. We should delight in the Lord. We are to live pleasing to him. We are to do the things that are pleasing to him. To enjoy Jesus. Our life, our lifestyle is to experience the joy of the Lord. The Bible says in Psalms 37 verse 4, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So there is a delighting yourself in the Lord. And that word delight means it says we should be excited about the Lord, having joy in our life for serving the Lord. There is no forced joy in this. We are joyful people. We serve the Lord with gladness. We come before his presence with singing. 
we are truly joyful people. I can also concur with Brother Harrelson about our early growing up in this church. It was never a joy or it was never a problem going to church. It was always a joy. Dad would always get there early. I would always want to go with Dad. I would wander around the church. I would get into all kind of problems. But my mom and dad never allowed us to think that going to church was boring, was a problem. Oh, let me tell you, it was always a joy. It was always an exciting time. Oh, I want to have the joy in my service for the Lord. We cannot present to the world that it is less than joyful to serve the Lord. We cannot seek the joy of the world that the world has. God is not magnified when his people do not find their greatest joy in him. When we find our joy outside of him, when we turn to other things to find our happiness, when we turn to worldly things to find our joy, that is not good. Our delight should be in him. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Delight yourself. And so this service we have with the Lord, and he has with us, God is not in a business here. He is not running his kingdom as a job. He don't run his kingdom as the kingdoms of the world. We don't serve the Lord like we're punching a clock. After 40 or 50 hours of coming to church, oh, we don't go and, 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 and cash in our check. Oh, no, that's what you do on your job. Amen. After 40 or 50 hours, you walk into that office and you expect that man or that lady to hand over you a piece of paper. Amen? Or you might get it bank transferred, but you expect it because you work for it. Amen? But we don't serve the Lord that way. We don't serve the Lord. You don't, we don't tell the Lord, I did this and this and this and this. And so, there, and so therefore, you owe me, God. Oh, no. We serve the Lord with delight, with joy. Hallelujah. God is not my employer. God is not my boss. In Luke 17... Verse 7 through 10 says, But which of you, a parable that Jesus spoke, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say to him, By and by, when he comes from the field, go and sit down to meet. This is a master talking about a servant after the servant has worked all day long, right? All day long, plowing the fields, feeding the, the animals, it would be like a normal master. He would say, hey, come in. Sit down at the table. But the Bible says in the next verse, that's not the way it happens. In verse 8 says, and will not rather say to him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me. What the master says to the servant who has been working all day, plowing and feeding the cattle. 
When he comes in, the Bible says that he was, the master would say, hey, get cleaned up. Get some, get some waiter clothes on. I'm going to sit here at the table, and you're going to come serve me. Amen. And until I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink, doth he think that that servant, because he did the things that were commanded him, I trow not. I don't think so. That's what the Lord said. Amen. If you are serving the Lord only on behalf of what God has commanded you to do, you're not serving with gladness. Amen. You're serving as a job. In fact, the Bible says in verse 10 that that person is an unprofitable servant. Amen. None of you, I don't think, has a... Anybody got bosses here? Anybody got a boss? How many of you are the boss? Oh. Brother Loveless, she's the boss? Okay. Anybody got bosses here? After working 40 or 50 hours, your boss don't walk, you don't walk into your boss's office and he say, hey, hey, come, come stand here by, behind my desk. No, he don't do that. You know why? You work for him. You do what he said. Amen. And you expect a paycheck. But the Lord says the bosses of the world, after working all day long, they don't say, come and serve me. He said, I got something else for you to do. That's what bosses normally do, right? Amen. But we are to serve the Lord with gladness. We are to come before his presence with singing. God has always been in the Bible transparent. He says, if it was good, he said it was good. David, a man after mine own heart. God thundering with his voice. The anger of the Lord kindled against Israel. Of all the emotions that God has to his people, I think that anger would be the least favorable. I don't want God to be mad at me. I don't want God to be angry with me. So many times God would get angry with his people. And he said in Isaiah 1 verse 11, I'm tired of your sacrifices. I'm tired of your sacrifices of bulls and your goats. I'm tired of it. I do not delight in the blood anymore of bullocks. I don't delight in those things. I don't want any more of that. So my advice to you today, that if God, if you had a choice, make God happy with you. Let God be delighted with you. Amen. God takes great joy and great happiness in his people. He's delighted in his people. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Abraham was called a friend of God. Job was called a man blameless and upright. A man who fears God and shuns evil. God told Ananias that Saul was a chosen vessel. I want God to say those words about me. A man that I fe- that fears me. A man that I-, I want God to be delighted in me. Amen? You want God to be happy with you? Amen? 
He has, and God will be delighted with you. 2 Timothy 2.15, the Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God. How many of you want the approval of God? You want God to approve you. Amen. You want the God that, 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 that stamps the, the stamp of approval on your life. Oh, God, help me, Lord, to be approved by you. Amen. We might be rejected by the world. We might not have had the best in the world has to offer, but we got a God that approves us and a God that is delighted in us. Amen. Amen. When you compare who we are to who he is, you understand that we will never be good enough. But when you also think about how you see yourself and that how God sees you, you understand that God must see something that I cannot see. Anybody else feel that same way? God, must, you must see something in me that I can't even see myself. God, you must be happy. If you're happy with me, I don't even know how and why that is. But let me tell you, I thank God when he's delighted with me. Amen. Because when he sees righteousness, he don't see us. He sees himself. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, the Bible says. He sees us overcoming. When we have no strength, he sees us righteous when we are unrighteous. At the beginning, I was reading from Jeremiah 9, verse 23. The Bible says, thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. God is not impressed with our wisdom. Amen? God is not confounded. God is not surprised at our wisdom. The Bible says that that does not impress the Lord. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let me tell you, the power and the strength of man does not impress God. Let not the, the rich man glory in his riches. I don't care how the richest man in the world is. He's not richer than my God. And God is not, is not impressed by gold and diamonds. He could care less. Amen. God does not delight in a rich man. God does not delight in a mighty man. God does not delight in a man boasting of his wisdom. But the thing that Jeremiah said that God delights in is that you know him. Anybody know the Lord tonight? Anybody understand the Lord tonight? God is delighted in you. That makes God happy. If you know the Lord and you understand him, come on, church. God is delighted in you. He says he exercises kindness, justice, righteous. That is what Jeremiah said that brings great satisfaction and joy to the Lord. The greatest place you could be is having God pleased with you. Amen. How many of you know that old song? Oh, is my Lord satisfied with me? Amen. I want the Lord to be more than just satisfied. I want him to be pleased with what I do. Amen. I want him to say the things that he said about Bible characters, about us. 
Amen. I know him. Those folks in the Dothan church, they know me. And they understand me. And that makes me happy. God can be proud of you. The great pleasure you can have is not a million-dollar yacht or a billion-dollar bank account. But if you know God and God knows you, whoo, that's God's delight. But just think about it. The God of creation who spoke the worlds into existence made the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, planted the trees, filled the land with animals, gave the seas their boundaries, hung the sun, the moon, the stars, created man. And then he says, I delight in my people. I delight in my people. God does not say I delight in the, in the elephants. He don't delight in the whales. We take pictures of them. That don't impress God. He, he, he's delighted when someone knows him. And someone serves him with joy. That's what God makes God happy. Amen. How wonderful. He favors. He takes pleasure in. He bends down from heaven because of you. The almighty God who parted the Red Sea, the Jordan River, carved the Ten Commandments in stone, daily fed his people with fresh manna, delights in you. This wonderful God who loved the world so much that he came and shed his blood to save the world, defeated Satan at the cross, conquered death at the tomb of Jesus. He sits on the throne today in charge and in control of everything. He delights in you. That is something to be incredibly in awe of. When God is in all or God is delighted with you, there is no greater protector than him, no greater provider than him, let no greater friend than him. And when you are pleasing to him, he will take care of you. There's this old song that I said a while ago, I want my Lord to be satisfied with me. Let me tell you what this book says that you are in God's eyes. You are his treasure. You are his pearl. You are his child. You are his bride. You are precious to him. You are his masterpiece. You are his redeemed. You are his inheritance. First Peter 2 and 9 says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He has called you chosen. He has called you royalty. Amen. Any royal people in the house tonight? Amen. If God has called you royalty, you are royalty. Amen. You are holy. He said, I, my people, will be called a holy nation. And then he says, you are a peculiar people. That word means my very own possession. You are mine. That's what God thinks about you. That's God's delight. You're mine. 
You're mine. These people, these people, they're not anybody else's. They're not dad's. They're not Brother Harrelson's. They're your, your God's people. Come on, church. Amen. I said you're God's people. You are a possession of God. God has bought you. God has paid the price for you. You are chosen. You are royalty. You are a holy nation. Amen. A peculiar people. You were worth dying for. You were worth the stripes. Jesus has no regrets. I said the Lord has no regrets. In the book of Psalms, chapter 17, verse 8, he says, you are the apple of my eye. Oh, come on, church. The apple of his eye. Deuteronomy 32, verse 10 says, he found them in a desert land. And in a howling waste of the wilderness, he encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. How many of you, the Lord found you in a desert place? Amen. He found you in a wilderness somewhere. Amen. He encircled you. The Bible said he, he come around you. He surrounded you. Come on, church. He cared for you. And the Bible says he kept him as the apple of his eye. What is the apple of the eye? Of course, there are a lot of different people talking about a lot of different things. But in a nutshell, the apple of the eye is the pupil, the, the place where the images come in and hits the retina in the back of the eye. That's the apple of the eye. And if I could paraphrase, he says, he kept me in the center of his favor, his affection, his choice, his preference. And in your care and in constant consideration, he thinks about. That's the apple of his eye. There are things that are delightful to the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. Come on, church. Anybody know how to pray? Prayer revival starts tomorrow night, right? Amen. Amen. You will make the Lord very delightful if tomorrow night you appear here and you are upright before him and you pray. Amen. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Keep calling. Proverbs 12 and 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Act faithfully, brothers and sisters, at home, at school, at, at, at the work job, come on, act faithfully. If you do that, that's delightful to the Lord. Oh, that's making the Lord happy about it. Amen. The Bible says in Zechariah 2 verse 8, he that toucheth you touches the apple of his eye. Amen. So this is what the Lord is saying to, to, the, to the prophet Zechariah. That after the glory hath he sent me into the nations which spoiled you, but he that toucheth you will touch the apple of his eye. If those who will bully you and those who will shame you, the Bible says that is as if someone is taking their finger and poking the eye of God. Don't poke the eye of God. That's a, that's a little recommendation, okay? Don't, don't do it, okay? If people want to mess with God's people... They're poking the eye of God. He that touches you, this is the Lord saying to us, 
as a as a nation, as a as a church, as the as the spiritual family of God. If you touch my people, you're touching the 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 apple of my eye. Amen. The Bible says in, in Micah chapter 7, verse 18, Who is God like unto thee, that pardoneth iniquity, and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? Heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. Let me tell you, God delights in showing mercy. He loves to pardon. He will not hold his anger forever. Do not ever feel like that mercy was given reluctantly, that God has his arm behind his back. He's giving it sparingly. The Bible says he delights in showing mercy. Anybody need the mercy of the Lord tonight? Amen. The Lord, the Bible says, loves, to, he delights in showing mercy. Amen. The Bible says in Luke 15, verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. To all of you perfect people here tonight, there is little joy when you are praising the Lord, but you let someone come that repents. The Bible says there's great joy in heaven. Anybody, and I, I, I'm not perfect, none of us are perfect, and so therefore we all need a, 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 from many times in our life to repent. And the Bible says there's great joy when your life is turned around and you get back on track. Amen. Psalms 147, verse 11, 10 and 11, the Bible says he delights in those who fear him. John chapter 15, verse 11, the Bible speaks about that the Lord's joy may be in you. The joy he delights in you. When you have joy, he has joy. Amen. But what does God most delight in? He delights in you, brothers and sisters. He delights in you. I want to, this is my last verse here, verses. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 62, verses 1 through 4, the Bible says, for, for Zion's sake will I, not, will, will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness, and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. This is the Lord speaking. I'm not going to rest. I'm not going to hold my peace. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest. And the righteousness will go forth as brightness. And the salvation thereof is a lamp that burneth. The Bible says in verse 2, And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness, and all the kings thy glory, and, th and thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. How many of you have received a new name? You've taken on the name of Jesus. Amen. Verse 3, Thou shalt be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. And thou shalt not be termed forsaken, neither shalt thy land be any more be termed desolate. But thou shalt be called Hephzibah, and thy land Beulah, for the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. While the world loves to label people, the world will label you as backwards, old-fashioned, 
They label us in Romania as well. But the verse 4, the Bible says that you will not be termed anymore forsaken. Brothers and sisters, we are not forsaken. God has not forsaken us. Amen. I will not accept that label. I said I will not accept that label. Amen. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Don't ever call each other forsaken. We're not forsaken, brothers and sisters. Nobody is too far. We're not forsaken. Amen. I don't live on desolate street. Sin has consequences. It always leads to some type of destruction and death. And sin will rob your life of vitality and spiritualness. But God said the redeemed of the Lord shall not be identified by desolation. The evidence of sin and the destruction will not identify you anymore. The blood of Jesus wipes them away. Amen. Let's stand together. So the Lord does not lead the old heart in you, but he gives you a new heart. The blood of the Lord cleanses and removes the stains and the horrible of the horrible past. And your name and your identity changes from sinner to saved, lost to found, homeless to the house of God, abandoned to chosen. And we are not anymore called forsaken. We will not be termed anymore desolate. In fact, the Bible says that I have given you a new name, Hepzibah. I know you didn't know you, know you had a new name, Hepzibah. That's your name, Hepzibah. You know what that word means? That means my delight is in you. When you've taken on the name of Jesus and when you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, amen, your name is not forsaken anymore. Your name is not desolate anymore. You're called Hepzibah. He says, my delight is in you. Oh, I want to shine my light upon you. I want to, the Bible says that we are a royal diadem in the hands of God. Oh, if we could only see what attitude, what opinion God has in his redeemed. He says, you are the brightness. Oh, let me tell you something, church. God did not die for an anemic, bad, sickly church. The Bible speaks about the church being a glorious church, a bright church. Amen. God is proud of his church. I say God is proud of his church. God is proud of his people. And my name is not forsaken anymore. My name is not desolate anymore. My name is Hepzibah. God delights in me. Don't believe the report of those who say, oh, you're forsaken. God has abandoned you. You're worthless. No, no. God delights in me. God has delighted me. I am somebody in Jesus. 
God's favor is on me. Don't let someone say God has no more favor in you. Oh, no. I've been born again of water and spirit. I said, I've been born again of water and spirit. And I'm not desperate anymore. I am fruitful. Hallelujah. I am not forsaken. I am accepted in the, in the brotherhood. I have been accepted. Amen. For God delights in me. God delights in me. Amen. In this same, in the same verses, the Bible says that the land will be called Beulah, for she is married. Oh, let me tell you, there's nobody in the Bible called the bride of Christ than the church. I say we are the bride of Christ. Amen. Colton, are you married? Come on. He ain't married. Somebody, we need to get him a wife here. But let me tell you, every one of you are married. If you've been born again of water and spirit, amen, God delights in you. He calls you Beulah. He calls you the land. The land is married. Hallelujah. This is marriage territory. Amen. Hallelujah. Thy land shall be married. Amen. Thy land, Beulah, Hepzibah, the Lord delights in me. Hallelujah. Anybody know the Lord delights in you? Don't hang your head down anymore. God has found favor with you. Amen. Amen. Is God, you know, I preached here several years ago. I think it's from the book, a New, a New Testament. I can't even remember where it was. I think it's Romans. If the Lord wanted to find a fault with you, he could find something. But let me tell you, I'm here today to tell you that God will cover you with his righteousness. That you don't have to be bent back so long. God will not withhold his favor forever. He will not be angry forever. But he will say, my delight is in her, my people, my people. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, let's pray together right now in the name of the Lord, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You found favor in the eyes of the Lord tonight, church. Somebody found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Somebody needs to step up and say, you know what? I'm not forsaken anymore. Hallelujah. God delights in me. Somebody, you need, need to shout for victory. God has accepted you. God has, has changed your life. God has made you into what he wants you to be. You're on the road. God has put a plan in your life for you. needs to rejoice right now together. When somebody needs to rejoice in the name of Jesus.